and welcome to Catholic in America. I'm your host, Father Michael Nixon, and today I'm very blessed to be joined by my bishop, the Bishop of the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee, Bishop Bill Walk. Bishop, how are you? Great. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me back. Excellent. We at our studio, we have a show that you do called Scent about living as an apostle. So you, you've been to this set before, um, shooting things for us. But the last time you were on this program, Catholic in America, was at the beginning of the pandemic. It seems like a million years ago. And we were talking about how people can still live their faith even when they're on lockdown. I guess for some areas of the world, that's still applicable for them. Um, but yeah, but so how has this past past year been for you as a bishop? Whew, what a whirlwind, you know. Um, but but I think we learned a lot. We learned that you know social media and regular media live streaming has an important role to play, not just during the pandemic, but all the time, because we were reaching people who maybe were not able to come to church because of illness or because they're infirmed or we're not Catholic, you know, and we're interested, we were able to reach so many people outside the bounds of our parishes and diocese as well. And, and as well, it, it also reminded us that we are a people who we hunger for the Eucharist. We want to mm. be together. And so it kind of built that hunger and thirst to, to be together and, for, frankly, for the Eucharist, the body, blood, soul, and, Jesus, and divinity of Jesus. That's so great. And one of the things that you did, and I think you really set the, the standard for, for our diocese and for a lot of bishops as well, is you had a nightly um, broadcast, a nightly Facebook Live event that you would do. What was that like to, to every single night show up and try to connect with people, many of whom felt very disconnected, some of whom maybe were facing illness or were fe fearful or afraid or hopeless? Exactly. It came because, first of all, I felt disconnected. I was mm. in my house or going to work, you know, alone because no, my coworkers weren't even there in the pastoral center. So I just felt like I need to reach out. And so I started this one night and then told some stories. Second night, I did it again. And then I thought, uh oh, I think we're in for the long haul. So <laughs> I kept doing it. But it was an important way to connect our diocese um, with me and with one another. Now, how is that possible if it's just me speaking on, on a live video? Well, people were texting and, you know, I couldn't read. I saw as the comments were coming up, I saw people praying for each other, saying, please pray for my mom. She's ill and someone else would type in praying for you, you know, and so it helped to bring us together. And what I just tried to do is, is make that connection and, and help people to realize you are not alone. We're mm -hmm. all in this together. And I think one of the things that I continue to see from you and, and definitely um, for those that don't know, Bishop Bill is the Bishop of Pensacola, Tallahassee, so the whole panhandle of Florida. And we're in Panama City, kind of come right in the center of, of this diocese. So serving all the Catholics and all the faithful, every person really, every, every soul in, uh, within our, our geographical boundaries, but sharing a message of in the midst of, of this, this past year that has seen obviously the pandemic, obviously uh, political uh, divisiveness on maybe some unprecedented scales in, in my lifetime, definitely. Uh, confusions in the church, all sorts of things to continue to, to help people to focus on Jesus and, and to, to encounter Jesus and his love for them. That, that to me uh, has to be uh, just the most important thing that you've done in this past, this past year plus. You know, people are looking for hope. They're looking for something to hold on to. And we have the answer, of course, it, as Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI said, it, it's not a program, it's not a set of rules or commandments, it's a person, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so really a lot of what I do and a lot of what we do here and, and, uh, and in, our, in our churches is we preach Christ and Christ crucified, you know. Um, people want us perhaps to be more political where they want us to weigh in on these issues that are extremely important, but as you or, said- Or less political on certain issues. And yeah. correct, or their issues <laughs> right. they want us yeah. to be, you know what yeah. I mean? But, and, and we, the church has, we have to address these things and we do, but before and above anything else, we preach Christ and Christ crucified. So a lot of, um, a lot of my, uh, 
my weekly, now their weekly videos, really is, is teaching. It's teaching on the Bible, teaching on the catechism, teaching on our faith. What, what is it all about? Um, what unites us? There's enough out there to talk about what divides us and mm -hmm. angers us and outrages us, you know, makes us outraged. But what unites us? And that is Jesus Christ and our faith in him. We're, we're going to get into your pastoral letter and kind of unpack that um, for everybody. This 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 really beautiful proclamation of, of, of the mission of the church um, in our diocese and really the church everywhere. Um, but what were some of the things that you've been seeing in our diocese um, that are maybe unique to us here in the panhandle, but maybe can, can also be applied to, to other areas too, as far as the struggles that people face, but mm -hmm. also some of the areas of hope as well? Yeah, I had not even been to Florida, any part of Florida before coming here as the bishop. And so when I was in Austin and I was told I was coming here, I had to look it up on a map, frankly. And uh, so I had no idea. And it's funny because on my first day at that first uh, press conference, someone said, what is your vision of the diocese? I said, vision? I don't even know where my office is yet. <laughs> I don't know where anything is here. So, but what I've learned here is a couple things. One, we are blessed. I'm not saying this because you're here. We're blessed with such great priests and lay people and principals and teachers. And I know every bishop may say that, but I mean, I'm biased, but I do think we are the best. And, um, and it's, it's not just me saying, oh, they're great, but I love that our priests are on fire with the faith. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't wanna get in trouble or you know, compete with other bishops. Well, our, our priests are on fire too. But there, there's that sense of a sense of joy there's a little bit of a, a charismatic edge to, to uh, mm -hmm. some of our priests that I really like. They, um, they, they're teaching me to pray, to be a little more free-flowing in my prayer. You know, not just to rely on formulas, which is important, obviously, and, and kind of back, the backbone of our liturgy, but at times just to, to be free-flowing in, in my prayer and everything. So, And we have so many visitors. We have uh, a lot of students who come to FSU or FAMU or UWF or our other schools. We have uh, a lot of prisons here. I believe it's 40,000 inmates, people who are in prisons or jails in this part of the state. A um, lot of opportunity to evangelize, to share, to to support, and to help them and give them hope as well. Absolutely. And, and that's getting to know an area, I, th I think, because we're going to talk about evangelization and how we're all called to evangelize. No one's off the hook with that. Um, but in a sense, getting just looking out your front door or your back door or you know across the street, what is the context that you're actually in? Well, why is that so important for us to, to, to kind of be aware of that when we begin to, 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 to talk about the church's mission to evangelize? I think it's important because so many people will say, I can't evangelize. I haven't memorized the Bible. I'm not a good speaker. I don't know, you know the, the catechism that well. But if we break it down, and we need to, to your neighborhood or your house, you know, mm -hmm. just the people you know already and the people you see every day, I think that, that, that makes it accessible to people. But also it's important to know what are their needs, their wants, their struggles right now. You know, if, again, that's a loaded thing. If you say we all have to evangelize, people think, well, so you're gonna, you want me to go over to Burma or Myanmar or whatever, you know, and go mm -hmm. and preach the gospel? Well, if that's God's calling, yes, great. But probably not. As Mother Teresa said, your Calcutta is your neighborhood or your home. So it's good for us to know what are the needs there? What are, what are the hopes and dreams of the people around me so that we can help to shed light on it, the, the light of the gospel on those issues. This, this pastoral letter, Sharing the Gift, we have a copy right here, Sharing the Gift. In Espanol, it's Compartir el Don. So we have this in English and Spanish, and, and it's beautiful, uh, beautifully laid out. It's short, um, which this is, uh, for those that aren't aware kind of, of how a bishop's pastoral letter a lot of times work, works, you know, it's, it's a letter written about usually a specific issue or topic of faith or, or living, living their faith in, in this modern context for their diocese, for their area. 
So what, what kind of generated this for you? What, what, what got you thinking about writing a pastoral letter? And then we'll get, in, we'll get into the content too and kind of unpack it for everybody as well. Absolutely. I did not even know that I could write a pastoral letter. I didn't intend to. I, um, I, I started out just penning some thoughts. You know, I try to communicate with the priests of the diocese and others um, every couple of weeks by a video. I, I write little letters. I, of course, write the column for our, our diocese and uh, our magazine, you know, The Compass. But so I started writing out some things and I thought, you know what, what we really need now is, is evangelization. We need this focus on sharing the gospel. There's so much that is distracting us, so much that is pulling us apart. But I thought, you know, this is what we really need. And so as I wrote it, I was writing it, it got a little longer and longer. And I thought, oh, maybe I should give it some context. Mm. And then there were other people. I have a, a lay leadership team around me and they said, you know, keep writing it. We think this could be more than just a weekly little note that you're writing to the diocese. And then I brought it in front of the priests and they had some input. So it kind of grew from there. And, and um, I think the neatest thing was I have somebody who helps me to helps to advise me. And he said, you know, Bishop, this is not just a term paper. This is not just a letter you're writing. This is anointed because it's coming from our bishop, who is the primary teacher mm. of the faith in the diocese. Well, that was intimidating to me. I thought, <laughs> oh, no, now I've, this really got to be good. But but that also just reminded me this is not my work. It's from the, the church and it's from the Holy Spirit, especially. So that's what it, where it came about. That's the, and, and really what I love about it is, is that it gets right to that. Um, for those that have not seen this, this is on, on the diocesan website. We'll put the link for those that are watching this online um, uh, for ptdiocese.org. And uh, sharing the gift is what it's called, but also too that it gets right to the heart. There's no, there's, there's no fluff in this. There's no, you know, there's not like you know. Let, let, let's get, take a lot of. <laughs> it's short, is what I'm trying to say, Bishop. So, yes. so praise God for that. I think a lot of people recognize how divided we are. Recognize how painful it is. We're coming up on the holidays, um, you know, and people can realize, oh man, those conversations that that one uncle or that one aunt or cousin or family member that we just stopped talking because we had an argument on Facebook and we don't talk to one another. So, so how does maybe learning to focus on evangelization, which is sharing Jesus, sharing yeah. you know, the best news yep. um, with other people, how, does, how can that begin to maybe not necessarily overcome all those divides, but help us to have meaningful conversations with people rather than just trying, trying to win arguments? Well, I have a good example. Um, and that is uh, recently someone came up to me and they, this is typical, uh, maybe we all experience this, but um, because of what they're watching on TV or online or something like that, they just this woman came up to me and she just started saying things like not even whole sentences, but Biden and uh, the bishops and and uh, abortion and just like things. And I and I said, "Are you okay?" I'm just so angry. I said, "Well, what about?" And she started saying these these words again and people and and uh, and I said, "Okay, well, what exactly is it?" Well, I don't know, but I'm just outraged. What are you going to do about it, she said. And I said, well, I don't know what it is. So what I, re I realized that, you know, this, we're not going to win there. So I just said, well, tell me about your faith. How's your prayer life? Are you, are you praying with your family? And at first she was resisting it. She said, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about all this stuff going on in the world. I mm -hmm. said, yeah, I can't really resolve that. And that really has <laughs> no impact on you every day, all those things that you mentioned. But where is the Lord in your life? Where is the Lord acting in your life? So in my letter, I want to teach people that this is a way out of that. You know, if you say, if you share with someone, you know, I just, I want to tell you, I go to church here or I pray every night and it just, it gives me such peace, such joy. You know, the church is like a home to me that I love. Yeah, imperfect. There's sinners inside and outside, but I love it. 
No, well, no one's going to come back at you and say you're wrong. You know, yeah. I disagree with what you just said. You know, which is what's happening, as you said, over the over meals and families and just over online or whatever. But if we share from our heart, that's not engaging someone in a debate. You're just sharing your joy, your your faith with somebody else. And I think too the fact that we started this conversation with with using social media and using you know the live streaming and other things too for the sake of of the gospel. Maybe it's different if you think of how, how it's generally being used nowadays. Very few people finish their time online or on, on a social media, <laughs> you know, six hours. They finish their time and be like, oh, I feel better. I, or yeah, I feel good. Yes. Or, I, or I, the people that I disagree with, this is how I always challenge my, my people and myself is, you know, if after that time, the people that I disagree with, I love them more now. Like, you know, which is a real good barometer to say, like, is this actually helping me to grow as a person? So, you know, to, to say, can I take my faith and live my faith not that it's just about saying Jesus every other word, but, but in a sense bringing hope in, in the midst of, of this hopelessness. Because there are issues that are important, but if we don't have Jesus at the center, then in a sense we're just trying to win arguments. Absolutely. And, and, and isn't that what we're about? It's, it's, we love people, not just the ones who agree with us, but even the ones who don't. Or as Jesus said, love your enemies. And I, I hope we're not enemies if we disagree. But I think that that means that we have to look beyond the argument and say, wow, this person is so angry and mm. negative and even vulgar, you know, online or something like that. <laughs> what could it be? Is it, This person's hurting. There's something going on. This is not about this issue that we're dealing with or they're arguing about. There's something else, you know. So maybe it's just, you know, God bless you. I'll pray for you, you know. I've done that too. And sometimes people are so angry, they fire back. Well, you don't need to get snarky with me. I'm like, no, <laughs> I, I really will pray with you. And then you have to end it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think if, if we are truly Christian, if we're, if we're interested in loving as Jesus loved us, we're going to love not only those who agree with us, but also and especially those who don't agree with us. Excellent. And so kind of getting into this, and I, I, again, you know, it's, it's short enough for people to, to begin reading, but, but you really start with, with recognizing that our hope is in the Lord and also in the midst of all the, the divisive um, sort of, you know, realities that we have. But that, this opening line from Pope Paul VI, the church exists to evangelize. Um, that might be, you know, the Catholic Church, <laughs> the yeah, church yeah. founded by Jesus. The reason we're here is to evangelize, to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world. You know, what, what is that phrase? It's from, from is it St. Paul VI? Yep, um, yep. Uh, from his, his, his letter on evangelization. And you kind of make that the cornerstone of, the, of your letter as well. I do. I think it's an important thing. You know, some of our brothers and sisters who are not Catholic, they would say, well, of course, you know, right, that, but, right. but it's not that it's not really part of our Catholic lexicon or it really hasn't been, even though Pope St. Paul VI said this, what, 60 years ago, or he wrote this. Um, it's really not part of our lexicon. Evangelization for us, really, it kind of conjures up images, like I said, of missionaries being sent out to foreign lands or people standing on the corner preaching. And if that's your thing, great. But what I try to do is, is remind people that this is in our DNA. This is what Jesus meant in Matthew 28 when he said, go, teach all nations. That's evangelize. And, um, and again, to debunk it, to, to, to bring it down to earth so that it's mm. not this impossible thing or this thing just for professionals, you know, professional preachers, but really something that we can all do. And, and you beautifully lay this into the biblical basis, the foundations really throughout the entire Bible. The whole story of the Bible is in a sense this mission this, the, the, of God's mission of saving us. And the, the good news, the, what evangelization is, is we get to participate in, in that saving mission. That, that God doesn't need our help, but he lets us help, you know, you know in a sense, and, and, and makes, in a sense, makes us an essential part of his, of his saving mission for, for others. 
Yes, it, uh, it this, this can't be, you know, something people, I hope no one would, would read this and say, well, this is just something this bishop wants us to do. This is, this is as, you know, as old as the call to Abraham to leave and just go. Where, Lord? It doesn't matter. Just go. I will make of you a remnant of faithful people. And through Moses and the prophets and, and, and of course, David, the shepherd king, and then Jesus Christ, the ideal, the perfect fulfillment of all of that, you know. And it just continues in the saints and continues even more recently. Yes, Pope St. Paul VI said the church exists to evangelize, but then Pope St. John Paul II really picked that up and called us to be missionary disciples. Pope Benedict Emeritus uh, Sixteenth also said, you know, this is about a person. We've got to tell people about Jesus and, uh, and get, help them to see the good news. And finally, Pope Francis, of course, this is his mm. whole thing. It's just like, go, get out, get out of your comfortable houses and rectories and and, and go out into the, the, the fields where the people are hurting. People need to hear about Jesus. It's not just something we do out of obedience. This is our joy. If we're sitting on this, then, you know, shame on us. We've got to share what is the most joyful thing possible, and that is Jesus Christ. It, it, this kind of brings up, too, and, and, and I want to bring up that, that provocative statement that, that you, you quote as far as Christendom is dead. And so uh, what, what does that mean? What exactly is Christendom? And, and why is that an opportunity for us rather than something that's just, just sad, which it oftentimes is? But um, Christendom, this, this Catholic or Christian culture and society and, and values and laws and everything kind of all, you know, helping us to live our faith or at least supporting uh, the living out of the faith. So what, what was that and, and how did we get to kind of where we are now as a society? I think it's important to kind of name, you know, the reality. And that is that, you know, ever since Christianity was legalized or made legal, you know, um, in the fourth century, um, we, we've been at various times, most times, especially recently in the recent centuries, we've been comfortable. You know, the state even has supported the church and sent out missionaries and paid for them. That's how we were evangelized here in, in Northwest Florida. All right, I wasn't here a couple centuries ago, but yeah. <laughs> Spain, you know, they paid for this. They financed the, the Franciscans and Dominicans to, to, to come to this place to, to evangelize. And that's great. And, but, but, you know, we could start to see this already in the mid-20th uh, century, maybe even earlier, that, you know, this was coming to an end. Society was not only going to support Christianity, but now they are hostile to it in, in many places, you know, and critical of it, and, and critical of her leaders and even of her people, her, the followers, the, the Christians. And so instead of wringing our hands saying, oh, this is horrible, you know, what are we going to do? You know, now I, I think we say, wait a minute, perhaps, not, I shouldn't say perhaps, but this is the Holy Spirit now calling us back to our origins because Christendom didn't exist, you know, in the time of Jesus or right after the resurrection. In fact, they were, it was, it was quite different then. And the church exploded, the faith exploded. As Tertullian mm -hmm. said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Well, there were plenty of martyrs then. I'm hoping that's not the case now, but it's now we have to recapture that sense of urgency to, to tell people the good news. One of the things I thought about before is St. Paul wasn't worried about who the next emperor of Rome was going to be. You know, you talk about kind of the politics that we always got dragged into. In a sense, we can start to put our hope in who our next president's going to be or who this elected official or even an important law or, 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 or motion that might pass or not pass. Um, Paul wasn't concerned about that. In a sense, he knew the the emperor was going to cut his head off eventually, which is what happened to Paul. But he still prayed for the for the emperor. You know, in, in, in his letters, he said, you know, lift up prayers to the emperor. And he still lived as a Roman citizen and still lived as that leaven in society. It says, no matter what the emperor, who the emperor is or, or, or what he does, I'm going to live my mission. In a sense, 
even sometimes in spite of that. Of, of that. So there wasn't an expectation. I think sometimes we have, we, we're still surprised when a law is passed that goes against Catholic or Christian morality um, because we, we, we kind of assume that it's going to, to go, with the, you know, go in the same direction that our faith goes, not recognizing that there's been a huge shift in, in society. There's a perfect example in the Gospels, too, when, when people come to Jesus and say, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And Jesus is, I wouldn't say dismissive, but he, he, he addresses it, as you know, right on, head on. He says, you know, whose image is this on the coin? Well, Caesar's. All right, then he might even have tossed it back to them. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. But the most important part of that is he said, but give to God what is God's. I think we get so caught up in this and we're like, well, we can't. We focus so much on Caesar, you know, and on the state that we forget that Jesus was teaching us about giving to God what is God's. And um, St. Paul, you know, says, uh, seek first the kingdom of God before all else. And so there, there are other examples as well in Scripture where it's, it's like we can't control that. That's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But what we need to do really is give to God what is God's and focus on our faith that way. Absolutely. So this, this downfall of, of, of Christendom, the death of Christendom, as, as you describe it, that is... is um, um, Venerable Fulton Sheen talked about that, about, about the end of, of Christendom, that this gives rise to this apostolic age. Maybe, maybe some um, can talk a little bit about what are some of the things in the, the 20th century, now in the 21st century, movements in the church, councils and popes and, and teachings that helped us to maybe kind of take stock of where we are and so how we need to shift our, 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 our focus. It's pretty clear, I think, when you take the long view, you can see how the Holy Spirit is active in the church, of course. We know that because... That's what God promised. I will be with you always. But, you know, especially since Vatican II, Vatican II, of course, was that was a, was a really a huge moment in our Catholic Church, you know, in, in which we, we reexamined ourselves as church and our mission, our, our work in the world. And so that was a meeting of all the, the leaders of the church, the pope and all the bishops in, Ro- in, the, in the Vatican That's right. in the 1960s. And so exactly. it, it's this kind of worldwide meeting to sort of sort of reorient and, and, and focus on what has God been doing, and, and where is the Spirit leading us as, as a church? Absolutely. And one of the things that really came out of that, especially in one of the most important documents there, Lumen Gentium, was, you know, we, this, the church exists to evangelize. Mm. Like, that's what we're here. I think before then, you know, especially after the Second World War with all, the, with, uh, I guess, uh, immigrants coming in with this this new Pax Romana, you know, peace in, in, in the world, relative peace, we were really focusing on building parishes and churches and establishing a school in every one of our parishes and all of that, taking care of ourselves, hospitals and hospices as well. But Vatican II, you know, especially there, the, the, some of the deliberations reminded us that, oh yeah, we've got to, we exist to go out into the world. And that's only grown since then through the papacy of Pope St. John Paul II, who kept urging us, be not afraid, go out and live the gospel. Um, Pope Emeritus Benedict, and now, of course, Francis is is doing that constantly. It seems every day he's talking about going out. He said, I dream of a missionary option for our church. You know, just in in other words, that that's why we exist, not, as he said, for self-preservation. Right, right, right. (laughs) Uh, But he said, but but to go outward. And I think so it's clear that the Holy Spirit is moving us that way. Yeah, I've thought a lot about, like, why is this difficult for us as Catholics, for those that are watching that are not Catholic, maybe have seen, seen Catholics who haven't evangelized, or, or you know, maybe even asked our Catholics, even Christians, because they never talk about Jesus, like, you know, that sort of tendency towards making our, my faith very private. My faith is a private reality. Like, how is that something that you've encountered in your ministry, and how do we kind of start to, for ourselves as clergy, obviously, but for anyone who, who says they're a Catholic or wants to be a Christian or a follower of Jesus, how do we start to, to move from that 
towards this, this new way of seeing our faith and as, as a gift that we've received, but that also must be shared. I think it can be, it's like everything else or many things these days, it's not either or, but both end. Mm. Great. We have so many great private devotions, you know, and not just Catholics, but I know so many good Christian people who have, who wake up in the morning and spend an hour reading the Bible or at night or something like that. We have Bible study groups. We have, you know, the rosary for us, adoration and mass and things like that. And that's fantastic. But that should be the catalyst then for sending us out to mm. preach what we are just praying about, what we're just studying, you know. If we're in the Bible, I, I think actually it was you who, who said this at, at one of our conferences. They said, you know, if you've, if you've done Bible study for three, four years or whatever, and the only question you have after the last one is, okay, when's the next one? Mm. Well, then maybe, you know, maybe there's something wrong. Our questions should be after all of that should be, okay, I want to lead the next one or, or let's branch out now. Let's have this over across town or something like that. You know, so it's, it's not an either or, it's a both end. Our, our private devotions, our, our faith, our prayer in general really should lead us outward. So yeah, so where, where do you think that, because we live in, you know, the show is Catholic in America. So we're, we're in a in, uh, North American, United States of America context um, for, for this in a sense that we're affected by our culture and that our culture, the, the currents are strong towards it. And they really are towards, we talked about division already, the politicization of everything, but also the materialism, certain, certain there's a hedonism that kind of gets into that seeking pleasure at all costs. Like how do those kind of keep us back? You know, how are those things that we need to, to get rid of or repent of in our own hearts so that we can better love, love the people in the culture and share the gospel with them? I think uh, you are absolutely right. It does hold us back because that, the, Basically, what this letter is addressing and what we're, the church is trying to address is this selfishness, this turn toward ourselves, mm. taking care of ourselves and our own. Um, but if we keep our eyes, our hearts, our minds fixed on Jesus, then that turns us outward. And this is important, too, I think. There are some people who think, oh, if I give up more, if I sacrifice, if I follow Jesus and do what he said, it's not going to be very fun. It's, uh, you know, that's not very motivating. But we have to remember Jesus said, I came that you may have joy and my joy and your joy may be complete. Mm. You know, he he doesn't want us just to be, you know, sour faced and, and miserable and all of that. But he wants the greatest joy possible. And if we convince ourselves of that, then then we will want to do whatever we can to follow him which doesn't mean that we grovel or, you know, or spend the whole day on our knees. If that's your charism, great. But it doesn't necessarily mean that. It just means that we live in a different way. As St. Paul said, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be given to you. So we worry less about that, less about the future or finances and things like that. And um, if we focus more and more on God and on the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, that, that aspect of generosity, of, of what we've received, of giving it away, um, we were talking about this with, with our parish. We're doing a, a preaching series on this, and we reflected after the hurricane. Hurricane Michael had devastated our area and a lot of you know Panama City and a lot of surrounding areas. We were in a, in a tent for our first weekend. Uh, the first weekend, we got a tent for mass. You know, we were doing masses outside, and we were visited by and ministered to by um, amazing brother priest of ours, uh, Father Father Louis Morosny, and some members of his team from Haiti, Ansevo, Haiti. And we had ministered there earlier in the year. We had been partnering with them in mission. And they came to us, and with so little material, you know, material wealth, they took up a collection for us over at their parish in Ansevo, and they gave it to us. And that, that weekend happened to be the gospel that we've had recently of, of, of the widow's might, the widow who gives the two small coins, and it's more than anyone else. So in a sense, I think that's a great illustration, just of if you, don't, if you feel your, your faith is weak, maybe 
we should start to give it away. We should start to share it with people. And that, that's, that's actually how our faith increases, not by just trying to accumulate as much. You know, that, that, you know Jesus was talking about when it comes to actual money, you know, but, but, but even more so when it comes to the greatest gift, which is our faith. And I, I'm guessing that that community from Haiti, they were overjoyed mm. to take that collection and bring it to you. You know, as we move toward Christmas and everything, we, we, a lot of kids, a lot of people think about gifts. Um, as adults, I hope we think about giving gifts. And you know, it's, it's, an, in, it's an important shift. When we're, when we're younger, where it's like, gimme, 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 I want more gifts. But when we're older, think about it. The joy that we have is giving a gift. If you have something you know your friend or relative mom's gonna love, it's like you give it to them and you're like, open it, open it. You know, you're so excited. And so really that's how it should be. That's how it is for God, I believe. God giving mm. us his son. And that's how it should be for us. Again, that's to counter this whole, this, this attitude that ah, for missionary disciples, it's going to be hard. It's going to be miserable. No one is saying that at all. You know, I think we need to, we need to remember that this is all about joy. Joy here on earth and eternal joy in the kingdom of heaven. And that makes a big difference. You know, that, that if, if this is good news that I'm sharing with somebody, it's not... Sometimes maybe the way it's been portrayed on TV or shows or other examples, some people, evangelization is sharing bad news with people that I hate. You know, like y'all are going to hell and I'm kind of happy about it, you know, sort of thing. Instead, it's sharing good news with people that I love. Maybe I struggle to love them, but I love them enough to tell them, like, there's hope, you know, that, that your sin doesn't have to define you, that God is merciful and forgiving. And he actually does love you. Um, so that, that kind of transformation for us, we need to hear that. We need to be evangelized as we're evangelizing. Um, you know, and, and but that really changes everything. When I know that I'm loved by God, um, then like, who am I to keep that to myself? That's right. Yes. And uh, again, it's, it's, it's that just to be more positive about it. And, and I'm not saying, oh, I'm staying, you know, we want to avoid anything negative or whatever, because there is so much to that we have to deal with and so much that does bring us down and, and things that need to be addressed. I understand that. But I just, I think that it's, it's that ultimate joy and it's sharing that with people. Again, they're not going to come back and say, no, you're wrong. You are not a joyful person. You know, they're, they're, they're not going to say that, I think. But instead, they're probably going to be really surprised by that because not a lot of people today are, are giving hope. One other example I give to people is when you're online or just talking to someone, you know, and, and they're going through the litany of, oh, this is horrible and this is horrible. And, and oh, I don't know if it's ever been this bad in the world. I don't know if there's any hope, really. You know, people are saying that, or some people have even said, I don't know if God cares anymore, or it seems like the devil has won. Mm. And you, we've got to stop him right there and say, all right, I understand you're frustrated, but I'm going to stop you. The devil has not won. He has lost. We know that. We know how this ends. This ends in glory, and we're here to help each other, you know, to walk that road and, and, um, and, and achieve, not achieve, but experience that, that glory, that joy that Jesus wants us to give. So just interjecting a little bit mm. of hope and perspective, I think, is really important. Again, online, too. Sometimes people go on and on. And I, I've, I've had people say, I didn't know what to do. They were, they were so negative, and they they're using all kinds of language. And I said, just put in there just... I love you or, or not, I love you, maybe, I don't know. But if, if you're talking to your family, I guess that's yeah. what I was talking about. But I'll pray for you. And, and I disagree, you know, Jesus Christ is Lord and I'm leaving. Goodbye. And then you leave. Yeah. yeah. And because that, that is such a challenge because it's so easy to want to be right. You know, you know, and, and, and yeah, all, all of us have that temptation. All of us have that tendency. And so um, looking at the, your pastoral letter, sharing the gift about evangelization in our context here in Pensacola, Tallahassee, Northwest Florida, but also wherever people are who, who are watching this, uh, two phrases that, that come up a lot that I think are really important, the new evangelization and missionary discipleship. 
and kind of coming from Pope John, now St. John Paul II and now Pope Francis. So why are those phrases important for us, maybe help, helping us to kind of reevaluate the practice of our faith? Well, it's because, again, this is rooted in Matthew 28, in Jesus Christ telling us to go out into the world. And yet, Pope St. John Paul II said, you know, I, what we need is a new evangelization. So it, it not, we're not bringing any new doctrine or anything into it. But, and he said he corrected himself, not corrected, but he clarified it. He said, what I mean by that is not just re-evangelization, but a new evangelization with new methods, new ardor, new strength. So clearly doing this online or live stream, that's a new method, another way of evangelizing, but also just in little ways to evangelize. So that's really the new evangelization. Again, it's not new doctrine, new teaching. There is nothing new, you know, after yeah. Jesus, after he was uh, raised from the dead, there, is no, there are no new teachings, but, but it's just a new way of, of really of bringing the gospel, making it alive to people. And then missionary discipleship is really important. I like, I like that because... Um, it talks about discipleship. A disciple comes to learn and to grow in the faith. That's what Jesus, Jesus called these people around him, and they did that. But then an apostle, a missionary, is one who is sent out, not mm. as one who perfectly understands the message, but one who is uh, discipled, one who has been taught and formed a little bit, and then who is sent out. It's interesting. Jesus sent out disciples, not at the end of the gospel, but toward the beginning, really. Yeah. He brought them together and he taught them and they watched him. And then he said, now go. And I'm sure they said, what do you mean go? And he's like, just go two by two. Go on, go on out and the spirit will be with you. And I love that too, because most people think they're not equipped. They're not qualified. They're not holy enough to evangelize. But these are people just, they're not baptized. They're not confirmed. They don't have any, they don't have, the, the Bible wasn't written at this point. They've, they've known Jesus maybe for a couple of weeks. And now he's sending them out to a town they've never been with another person, not alone. I love that too. Jesus sends them out two by two. And he says to do miracles, like preach the kingdom of God. He, you know, he, there's all sorts of things in a sense, you know, but the more they did it, the more they come back rejoicing. And that's a great scene in the gospel where they come back to Jesus and rejoicing. They're like, wow, all these things happened at the power of your name. I'm sure they were tripping over themselves to tell Jesus, well, Peter, tell him what happened uh, in, in this other city or whatever, you know, and, and John, tell him this story or whatever. Remember that lady, you know, and, and all that. Yeah, there was that great joy, and I love it. And Jesus, I'm sure, just beamed. Mm. And he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning while you were out doing that, you know. Mm. But he said, but rejoice, not just because of that. You were successful in your first mission, but because your names are written in the book of life. And so this is, this is again, it's, all, it's about, I was going to say all about that joy. It's all about Jesus, but it's about joy as well and sharing what, what fills us with joy, and that is Jesus Christ and his gospel. Something that I think many people struggle with nowadays is not having a, a clear purpose for their lives, not having direction and something out in front of them. So even that concept of missionary discipleship, that we have a mission that's been given to us. The church exists to evangelize, to, you know, to in, in the power of Jesus' name to go to this world. What difference would it make if people live with that, being, you know, knowing that, believing that, but also living that out like on a daily basis? I have a mission today like mm -hmm. that only I can do to, to bring the gospel, to bring Jesus to people that I meet and there's something, there's, there's power. God wants to do miracles through us. And I think a lot of times we don't live with that. that. But what, what, what difference would it make if we started to, to believe that and to live that? I think it's important, first of all, and I put this in the letter, that before we evangelize, we need to be evangelized too. You know, mm -hmm. we need to be taught and formed. And one of the things that we must learn, we must remember, we can never forget, is that we are completely loved by God. I love the first 
pastoral letter or encyclical of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, Deus Caritas Est, God is love. Mm. And he says, he talks about this look of love that we were created to enjoy, which is the beatific vision. And that's how God looks at us. So many of us think, oh, but that's not me. I'm a sinner. I'm a screw up. You know, God doesn't love me. Or maybe when I'm perfect, and which is, I'm not. So I don't know if he does. But we need to, that's part of it, is, is to know that we are loved, that, that, that God is crazy about us. You know, Jesus did a lot of this, of course, in his preaching. Then, if we really believe that, if we have accepted that, then we're going to want to go out and share that with people, you know. Mm. Um, not just saying you're loved and you're loved and you're loved, but we show them in the way we have hope, in the way we carry ourselves, in the way we minister to people. And then, yes, even I would say miracles will happen, you know. It won't be us, but God will work through us. And this is already happening, I'm sure. Um, in so many people, and this happens in me, I'm sure this happens to many other people, where they'll say, Boy, that day you just called me out of the blue, um, that, that meant so much mm. to me. I know one person, he just said he hadn't heard from a friend, a long lost friend in, in years. And just out of the blue, something in him, he just thought, I'm going to call him. And he did. And later on, he got a letter and that man said, you have no idea. In fact, literally, he said, I was planning on taking my life, but you called me. And it's given my life a new purpose, you know, new meaning, new hope. That's a tiny, that's very dramatic, but there are so many examples like that. These are the miracles we're talking about, I think. Again, to bring it down to, to what we experience, not to, to get freak people out or think, I have to raise people from the dead or you know, heal people and all that. No, you need to be Christ for others and let him work in and through you. And the more you do it, the more it happens. You know, you know, either, either even that simple thing of, of, of uh, I think you bring it up a lot. A great way of evangelizing. Someone brings up a struggle or a problem. Oh, we got a test next week, or my husband's cancer diagnosis came back and, and it's positive. You know, those those things that come up all the time. And maybe as a Catholic or a Christian, we'll say, Oh man, I'll pray for you, or I add you to a prayer list, which is beautiful. But taking that next step of actually praying with them, inviting them to pray with you, if they're comfortable with it. Uh, Pope Francis brings us to that, I think, in, in his, his apostolic letter as well on, on uh, the joy of the gospel. But yeah, just what a difference that makes for all of a sudden now that you're experiencing, you know, church is happening there, you know, and it might be in a grocery store, but, but the power of the gospel is really, really being unleashed in, in, in that space. That's right. And it can be just, you don't, don't worry about what you're going to say or whatever, but if they say, you know, please pray for me, then just do it right there. Hold their hands. Or if that's not appropriate, just put your hands over them and pray. It's great. Mm -hmm. I was just in, in an airport, the world's busiest one or busiest one here, Atlanta. And right in the middle of the hub of everything, here's a maintenance worker. And he said, Father, how are you doing? And great. Okay. And he just said, would you pray for me? And I, here I am, I'm the bishop. I'm talking about this. I said, yeah, yeah, but Let's, let's go over here, not, not right here. And he said, why not right here? In the middle of the busiest airport in the United States. So, all right, I just put my hands on his head and I prayed <laughs> this long prayer. Everyone was staring and watching, but that's really what it's about as well. So you evangelized him, but he was also evangelizing exactly. you he challenged as well. me. You know, yeah, yeah that, that's beautiful, that's beautiful. Well, we have some great examples of this. And to me, I love being Catholic, uh, uh, member of the Catholic Church. If you're interested in becoming Catholic, you know, contact your local church here in the diocese. We have great churches that are seeking to live out this, this evangelization. Um, but the saints in, in, within the Catholic Church are such a beautiful example, those men and women that have gone before us. And you mentioned several at the end of the, of the letter, some of whom, of whom maybe people haven't heard of before. 
um, but some who uh, are, are maybe more famous, Mary, you know, Jesus' right, mom right, yeah, and yeah. St. Joseph, um, but, but some of, the, of those who are on the way to sainthood um, who uh, are, are American, American saints, which I really think is cool. Maybe tell us a little about some of them. Yeah, it's important. Again, you know, Mary, mother of God, it's all generations <laughs> will call me blessed and all of that, you know, fantastic. St. Joseph, you know, powerful saint. I love one of the titles, terror of demons. And it's true. But again, some people might think, well, I could never be like them. Mm -hmm. That's why we have so many saints, you know, who are husbands and wives and priests and religious and young people and elderly. And um, so I wanted to include some of those as well. There's one, uh, Sister Thea Bowman, who was a sister, religious sister in Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi. Um, there's no miracles attached to her or anything like that, but she she was on fire for the gospel, especially for African-Americans in, in this region of the world. But really, she inspired so many people, and she spoke to all the bishops in the United States, this very emotional, powerful speech that people still watch today. It had them in tears. You know, just one woman, one woman of faith. So um, I call upon her intercession as well. I hope she'll be recognized as a saint, but I'm sure she's with God. But nonetheless, I call upon her to help us to be like her. And then we have uh, Antonio Quipa and Companions. These are martyrs who died, lived and died for the faith in the 16th to 18th century, right here in this, what is now our diocese. You know, perhaps even a mile or so from here was, was one. Um, somebody was killed, murdered, martyred for the faith. Um, now, what does that mean for us today? Well, we can still feel their intercession. We are still inspired by them, and I believe that they, they can help us, and they want to help us to continue their, their work, the mission of evangelization here today. I love, too, Antonio Quipa, um, who there's several uh, missionary priests and, and, and religious that, that were part of this, this group as well, but Antonio Quipa, who, you know, kind of the lead name in this, was, was not a priest. He was, he was a layman who was a catechist, was sharing the faith with young people, was, as, as a layperson, was living his call to evangelize and, and, and again, you know, paid the ultimate price for it, which most of us are not facing on a daily basis. But we should be, we should be willing to, you know, but he definitely kind of embodies that of, of living the faith out as, as a layman. Very inspiring. He didn't have a degree in theology or a certificate. <laughs> He wasn't certified in, uh, you know, evangelization or anything like that. But as you said, he just, he, he shared with his brothers and sisters the, the fullness of the faith. And then when the attackers were coming to burn down the church and desecrate the Eucharist communion, he stood in the way and he ran in and grabbed the Eucharist. You know, you can't, this is Jesus Christ. And, and they did horrible things to him and, and then, you know, um, uh, tied him to a cross and burned him slowly to death. And, and uh, he was still witnessing on the cross. And, and before he, he died, he, he said he had a vision of Mary, the mother of God, there comforting him. So just a, a simple person, everyday person, who did great things. And, um, and I'm glad the church is recognizing his, his heroic witness. And I'm more ha even happier that he is interceding for us and inspiring us today. Now that's a great thing, too, asking the intercession of Mary, of St. Joseph, of Sister Thea Bowman, um, you know, in the midst of all, all the divisions in our society, she's such a voice of, of, of justice and, and healing um, and conversion for us, Antonio Quipa. So that, that really is the, we're being evangelized by the saints, yeah, even, even as we move forward. So Bishop Bill, what are some of the things that you're seeing with, in the diocese as far as people receiving this letter and then beginning to, to, to seek to live it out? What, what, what are some of the signs of hope towards evangelization that, that you're witness to? 
well, I hope that this is not just a one and done type of thing, you know, mm -hmm. that, that people receive this and they say, oh, that was really nice and then put it away. I hope that people will put what it, the, the contents of it into action, you know, and so and they are, which is really neat. There are small groups studying this. Um, it's it's finding its way into our jails and prisons, which is awesome. Um, I know that you and other parishes, they're, you're preaching on this, uh, which is really fantastic. And then I've talked to young people as well, some young adults who are, are, are actually sharing the contents of the letter literally with people. I was speaking with one young man, a college student yesterday, and he said that he gave this to his, to his former pastor. He, was, he belonged to another church and then became Catholic. He gave it to his former pastor. And um, he just talked to him a couple of days after. He said, did you read it? He said, I love the letter. I don't know about all the Catholic stuff there, whatever he said. <laughs> but he said, I love it. It's right on. And, uh, and he said, I'm going to use this actually in my preaching as well. So it's, that just makes me really happy. And uh, not it's not surprising because it's nothing I made up. It's the gospel. And I think um, uh, all we need to do is just get it out there and, and God will do the rest. Absolutely. Well, Bishop Bill, I think you're doing a great job, not only of giving us the teaching, but of embodying this as well, of, of seeking to, to be an evangelist, um, not just by your office of, of being a bishop, but just by the way you live your life. And uh, this, this, is, this is really exciting. Um, uh, for more information, you go to the, our Dowson website, ptdiocese.org. Um, and, uh, and check out the pastoral letter, get, get that online. There's a great study guide as well um, with that too. But also today, for anyone who's watching, anyone who's listening to this, to, to maybe ask that question, how am I being called to share the gift to evangelize today, which, which, which is a really uh, powerful question to ask. And then that, that takes you into that mission, that exciting adventure of not only following Jesus, but also sharing Jesus with others. So, yeah. When I was confirmed, I remember, I don't remember much about it. It was the eighth grade, but the, the bishop said, this is a prayer you could say every day. And, and a lot of people, they struggle with kind of prayer. They don't know what to, to pray outside the uh, formulaic prayers that we have. And he just said, it's really simple. Holy Spirit, teach me to know what to do today and give me the strength to do it. And I think if, if all of us prayed that, you know, just Spirit, Holy Spirit, tell me what to do. Help me to do it wow, the world would be set on fire. The world would be transformed and all people would know the glory of God in Jesus Christ. And well, thank you so much, Bishop Bill, for being with us. Thank you so much for watching us. Tuning in here at Catholic in America for all those who support us. Uh, we'll see you next time. God bless. Mm -hmm.